Turn in your Bible to the book of Joel, specifically Joel chapter 3. And as you're turning, I want us to pray together. I want to welcome our online campus. And let me say today, not to embarrass anyone, but uh, it's Tanya, right? Tanya came today because Tanya has some extenuating circumstances that doesn't allow her to come to church much, but she knows she needs to be in the house, as, uh, the house of God as much as she can. She got online, and you know what she saw? She saw us uh, uh, live streaming, and uh, I don't know if it was my preaching or my smiley face or my bowed legs or my just my handsome demeanor, but Tanya said, you know what? I got a chance to come, and so she's here today because of our online campus. And so that's a, that's a perfect example. Thank you, Tanya, for why we do what we do, not only here, but live streaming literally around the world. People from all over the world watch. I was in relation uh, on my morning devotional called Breakfast with Champions. Uh, one of our missionaries, Bob Sayer, friends, Bob Sayer, he was uh, a line, came online with me. And so people from all over the world watch us right here from little Beaumont, Texas. With that in mind, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that it will bring forth much fruit in our life, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than in than any two-edged sword. We embrace your word. We believe your word. We will activate your word and we will yield, wield the word of God, Lord, against the principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And all God's people said, amen. Are you in the book of Joel this morning? If you're there, say, I'm there, pastor. The book of Joel, as you know, is certainly not a minor prophet. Some may call it that. Joel prophesied the birth of the church, the birthday of the church, when he talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And without going there, you know that the birth of the church and when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, that was the church's birthday. Joel prophesied that. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so we know that according to Scripture, not according to Pastor Sam's deep theological breadth and width, and that's certainly not very deep and not very wide, uh, but we know according to Scripture, we're living in the last days. Tell somebody around you, just tell them, you did know we're living in the last days. Did anybody say that? Look at somebody and say, you did know we're living in the last days. Felicia, you knew that, didn't you? Amen. All right. John, you do know we're living in the last days. Amen. We really are. And so we don't know how long the last days are. It's a, it's, if I had time, I could show you where God in the age of the church, which we're living in the last days, he kind of took a hold of the time clock, if you will, the hourglass of God and gave, has given us an undetermined, unknown amount of time to fulfill his kingdom purposes in the earth. It's called the last day. And so there we are. Uh, and this verse that I'm going to read to you is a last day's challenge and calling to the church. It says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say that. Wake up the mighty men and the women I'll throw in. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. There's so much in that verse, those two verses. The beginning of this series a couple of Sundays ago, I preached a message from that one verse, 
and gave us some insights uh, about that. And I would encourage you, even if you're watching online or listening online later, go back into our archives, Facebook archive, and possibly into our website, cotrnorth.com, and find these first couple of messages because it certainly lays a good foundation of where we're going. The series we're talking about is Awakening the Warrior Within. And that's what we see in this last day's uh, insight here. There's a spiritual battle going on. Anybody here understand the reality of spiritual warfare today? It's a spiritual battle that we face. In fact, I've said this, most of the things that we deal with here in this life, the the, the conflicts, the issues, even with people, don't have a flesh and blood root. They have a spiritual root. Uh, at them. And there's a, there's a devil, the Bible says, who is out to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to undermine the purpose of God in your life. And you and I need to understand that. Everything you face is not, doesn't have a physiological reason. Are you with me? It may have a spiritual reason. And if that spooks you a little today, be at rest because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And there, I I know I'm a little old-timey, but could I get an amen, somebody? And so that's where we are. And I want to give you some a couple of statements here today. Uh, And then we're going to talk about David and Goliath. I love the story. If you can't preach from David and Goliath, you need to get a job, all right, somewhere else because this story is alive with truth and revelation. So there's a couple of statements. Last day's message, here we go. The responsibility of the church is to partner with God's last day's prophetic purposes and go to war. Somebody say, go to war. Go to war, not just prepare for war, but go to war. All right, we'll see an illustration in a moment with David and Goliath. They prepared, but they didn't go. They didn't engage the enemy until David showed up. The responsibility of the church is to partner with God's last day's prophetic purposes and go to war against the spiritual forces of wickedness for the sake of the family of faith and her future harvest. You see, that's that's why we're here. In fact, if I had time, we could go back to some of the words of Jesus where he proclaimed about the church. He talked about the church. He said, the church that I build, I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The first thing he really said about the church is that we are authoritatively, uh, uh, not defensive, but offensive against the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness in the church. Hey, contrary to common belief, the church is a people of war. Amen. And all God's people said amen. When you study the life of Jesus, you know he wasn't a tiptoe through the tulips kind of guy. Are you with me? He was a man of war. In fact, the Bible says about him, he stirred himself up. He stirred the zeal of God up in him like a man of war. And so I want to awaken you to that reality this morning. Here's a warning for us all. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God is sorely limited. Let me tell you something today. You need to understand that's a warning that comes not just from O.P. Sam, but from the Word of God, that if we fight, we win. Somebody say, if I fight... I win. 
You see, Paul, he said, we don't fight as one boxing the air. A lot of Christians are just shadow boxing. It's time we engage the enemy on, on our turf with the authority of God in our life and be able to stand up and see God's victory. And let me just say, this is not my notes, but I just feel inclined to say this today. There's a victory waiting for us today. God has a plan for you. And it's not to be a loser, not to be a quitter, not to be a, a, a whiny baby. How many of you don't like whiny babies? You know, people who just whine all the time. Listen, it's time to awaken the, the, the warrior within us and, and, and begin to engage the enemy with the authority and the anointing of God in our life. Somebody say another amen. With that in mind, turn to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to look at something that I think is so important as we look at the story of David and Goliath. How many of you have ever faced a giant or two in your life? Only one, two, we face giants in our life. Come on now, stay with me. If you face giants in your life, listen up. If the giants have overwhelmed you, listen, you better listen up. Uh, in fact, this morning I told our, our Breakfast with Champions audience, you better listen to your pastor today. He may say something that will transform and change your life. And so I want to encourage you to listen up. And you know the story of David and Goliath without being too detailed. You know the armies of Israel had gone out against the Philistines and they were, there was a standoff. There was a valley in between. The Philistines were on one side, the children of Israel on the other side, and Goliath had come out and he had taunted the armies of Israel and his words and his, and his, uh, uh, stature were so overwhelming that all the armies of Israel were paralyzed at his threats. He was saying, send me a soldier, send me, send me your best to battle with me. And even said, and if you kill me, you can, you can take, uh, uh, take all the Philistines land. Uh, and so he was taunting the armies of Israel. And little David, who, by the way, had already been anointed as the king, had already begun to uh, serve King Saul. He came under his father's command to bring some food. They'd been paralyzed for over a month, I think. Uh, bring some food and some things, not only for his older brothers, but for the for the leaders in, uh, over his brother's uh, 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 military rank, wherever he was, and to bring back word to his father, Jesse, of how it was going out there uh, as these two armies were faced off but nothing happening. All they would do, the Goliath would taunt them and the children of Israel would retreat in fear. And so he goes and he hears the story and the, and the anointing of God rises up in him. We're going to look at some of the verses and he says, is there not a cause? And you know the story how he said, I'll go and fight this uncircumcised Philistine and his brothers chastised him and Saul said, you can't do that. And Saul tried to uh, uh, arm him in, in the armor of the day. He said, this is weighing me down. And you know what he did. Everybody say, you know what he did. He went out under the anointing of God and he had his sling uh, and his, he picked up five smooth stones and he ran toward the Goliath. And it, this is just Pastor Sam's elaboration. In the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the first one hit him right between the eyes. Down he went. He went over and took the, the Goliath sword, cut off his head. I'm telling you, this young guy had some authority in his life. And, and, and uh, the whole armies of Israel... Uh, then arose and chased the Philistines, and there was a great victory. And everybody said, Amen. 
That's in, in a nutshell is the story of David and Goliath. I would encourage you to read 1 Samuel 17 in detail. At this morning, as I read through it again, I found a few little nuggets and things that I didn't e- even really see, two of them, uh, just for the sake of you understanding. One of them, I thought David ran by himself, but did you know David actually had someone holding a shield in front of him? How many of you would appreciate that if somebody helped do that in your spiritual battle? Two are better than one. He had a, he had not an armor bearer, but someone who held the shield as he ran towards Goliath. I, he's an unspoken, unnamed person, but that's pretty cool. I like that. Another thing I like is that I, I misquoted this scripture in times because I, I, I would say that David said to Goliath, I'm going to kill you as an uncircumcised Philistine and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. I thought that's what it said. You know what he said? I'm going to defeat you and I'm going to feed, we're going to feed all the armies of the Philistines to the birds of the air. He had a greater vision than just old Goliath. How many of you know your Goliath is not the only person that you're fighting for? Somebody say amen. And so he had some words. We're going to talk about David's words. Let me give you some foundational insight about words. Words are powerful. Everyone say words are powerful. You know the passage, uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. Words are powerful. How many of you know God created the whole world with his words? He spoke. So when you're speaking the word of God, It's powerful. Conversely, if you're speaking unhealthy, unholy, negative, uh, depressing, troubling, argumentative words, those words are powerful as well. Everyone say death and life are in the power of the tongue. You need to understand words are powerful. Number two, words, uh, let me, well, let me throw this, Mark 11. I just had, you know what Jesus said about our words? He said this in reference to the mountains, or you could say the Goliaths. Uh, He's talking about faith. In Mark 11, he says this. He said, have faith in God. Then he talks about the mountain. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and does not doubt in his heart. In other words, he has faith in his heart and he speaks the word of God. Listen, it's not just words that we're talking about this morning. It's words of faith that we speak over the Goliaths of our life. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he saith will happen, he shall have whatsoever he says. Words are powerful. Everyone look at somebody and say, our words are powerful. Number two, our words wield great influence over outcomes. Our words wield great influence over outcomes. How many of you are looking at something that the outcome has not been realized yet? With your raising kids. Josh, you're not done, are you? You got, you got a number of years to go. There's an outcome that you're looking for. And he spoke that this morning. We're raising our kids to be great. You know, we're not just raising good kids. We want to raise godly adults. Amen. Our words have great influence over outcomes. Have you ever had someone speak something over you that was not good? You'll never be worth a dime. And if we're not careful, those words influence outcomes. If we embrace them. 
And let me just say, your story has yet to be told. And then when you go back to this, uh, David and Goliath, you see it working on both sides of the fence. Goliath had taunted the armies of Israel and it was with his words. You know, he just showed up. He showed, he showed out and he showed up, he, you know, but he, you know what? The first thing he wielded, not the sword, he wielded the sword of his words and it paralyzed the armies of Israel because they didn't have a faith in their heart. Words influence outcome. I'm not saying it's all about your words, but I'm telling you, your words have a whole lot to deal with your outcome. Are you with me? And then number three, another little foundation. Words are wielded, as I've already said, from within. Out of the abundance, Jesus said this, Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever been wounded to the point that you couldn't help but just it comes out with everything you say, your wounds, your hurts, your fears, your doubts. You've met people like that before. They've got a wound or a hurt. Hey, how you doing today? <sighs> oh, well, I'll see. And so our, our word, everybody say our words are powerful. Our words wield great influence over outcomes. And then number three, just a foundational statement, words are wielded from within. So, uh, so the warrior has a way of talking and David had a way with words. He had some words and these words were seasoned. They were words of faith. He just didn't stir it up in his own strength. There was some things about him and his words were seasoned with faith-filled uh, insights and characteristics. And I'm going to give you seven today. Everybody give me the number seven. Here we go. I'm going to give you seven things that I see about David's faith-filled words. You ought to write them down. Take a picture of the PowerPoint because these things, this is the way people of faith, this is the way warriors speak into the spiritual atmosphere to bring victory over the Goliaths of life. A lot of people, let me just say, whether you're watching us or listening to us by way of a Facebook broadcast or you're sitting in this room this morning, understand something today. All of us on some level are facing obstacles. All of us have a Goliath somewhere. All of us are dealing with the issues. There's a spiritual battle going on. And the last thing we want to do is let the enemy get victory over us because we don't speak and declare God's word over the situation. Are you with me? Say amen. With that in mind, let me give you number one. David's faith-filled words were seasoned with insight. Someone say insight. Now, insight is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or thing. Insight is insight into who we are and who God is. That's what I'm talking about. And David knew some things that evidently the rest of the armies of Israel, if they didn't, if they did know it, they certainly didn't know it in their heart of hearts. He had some insight. And let me just stop and say, most of us are looking for some insight. We just need a little, I, I need something. I need to know something about this circumstance uh, that 
that I'm facing. Look in 1 Samuel 17, 26. When he gets there and, and he sees this situation that the armies of Israel are, are paralyzed, look in verse 26 at what he says. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him. Here comes David's words. He spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Phil- this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? See, the, oh, I could stop right there. You see, his deal wasn't about what he got if he did. His deal was about the greater God picture. I'm uh, somebody, if you kill this Philistine, you're going to, you're going to take something off, a reproach that has been uh, 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 pressed down upon the armies of Israel. He said, what shall be done? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. You got to get the picture. Here's little teenage pimple face, ruddy David. The Bible says he was ruddy. That means he probably still had acne. And he shows up in the middle of all these warriors. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? who is defying the armies of Israel. That, my friend, is a statement of insight. Let me explain. Circumcision, everyone knew. It was a symbol of the covenant of God, the promises of God to his people. And if you if you had time, and I encourage you to do this, go to Genesis chapter 17 and read about God's covenant with, with Israel, God's covenant with his people. And circumcision was a symbol of the covenant. And David understood the covenant of God over his life and the covenant of the armies of Israel. He knew Israel had a covenant. God had made a covenant with Israel. And if we had time, we could go back and we could understand and, and learn the covenants of God. How many of you know when God promises you something, he's going to follow through with what he promised. And David was standing that day in the inside, in the understanding that God had made a covenant with the people of Israel. And he said, this guy, I don't care how tall he is, how big he is, how overwhelming he is, he has no covenant with God. And the covenant we have with God will take us through this uncircumcised Philistine's taunts who is defying the armies of Israel. You see, it's what we know in our heart about God, about who we are and who God is that will help us be able to speak the word of God over the circumstances of life. Are you with me? Say amen. He had insight. He had biblical insight. Though they didn't call it the Bible, that he had biblical understanding. He had a historical understanding of God's covenant with Israel. He had a relational understanding because he had a relationship with the God who made the covenant. He had a personal understanding of God's covenant of protection and provision because as you know, when he stands up and says, I'll go kill this guy, they say, you can't do that. What did he say? But wait a minute. Let me just tell you, I have a I have a personal testimony. When I was out watching my father's sheep, everybody go. <laughs> when I was watching my father's sheep, the lion and the bear came, and I killed them both. I took them by the beard and I killed them both. And this same, uh, hey, understand, I have a. I have a personal understanding and insight about how God will protect me. 
And I'll do the same with this Philistine. You see, he had insight. You know what the Bible says about his people? This, and, and this is a blanket statement that you and I need to understand. The blanket statement is found in Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me give you the scripture again in case you need to write it down. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, for a lack of insight, if you will, into who they are in Christ and who God is to them and the covenant that God has made with you and I. How many of you like this part of the covenant? I'll never leave you or forsake you. The promises of God are yes and amen. And so when we're walking in insight, we can speak our words because of what we know, not just about God, but because of the fact that we know him. He's our father. We we are his children. Everybody go, amen. We are the sheep of his pasture. So David's words were seasoned with insight, biblical, historical, relational, and personal insight. And many times, understand something, the Goliaths we face, they come and they and, and we lose the insight because of what we're seeing with the natural realm. These children of Israel, they, they were looking at life. The insight was not what was within, it was without. And all they saw was the Philistines and this Goliath, and it paralyzed them. Listen, people, the warriors need to look past the immediate moment and realize, I've got a covenant with God. He's going to take care of me. He's going to bring about a victory. And David, if you wanted to go, David knew that the, the children of Israel, in fact, his life, if you follow the genealogy of Jesus, I'm telling you, he understood that there was a bigger picture here. And God was up to something bigger and more dynamic than just this immediate issue with this Goliath. Are you with me? Our, his faith-filled words were seasoned with insight about God's covenant. Number two, his words were seasoned with God's divine purpose. And as I hinted just a moment ago, he understood there's a bigger picture here. God has a purpose and a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. He knew the purpose of God was about to be undermined. He knew if the Philistines got victory over the children of Israel at this moment, the plan and the purpose of God would be undermined. Listen carefully to me today. The battles you face today, they're not just about you. God wants to undermine the purpose of God for your life and for your kids and your kids' kids to the from generation to generation. And how we react or respond to the circumstance determines the end of the story. Are you with me? Say amen. See, the outcome has not been made yet. We're not to the end. We have the capacity to change outcomes by the power of the word of God in our life and proclaiming the word of God. And David said this in verse 29, when he began to realize what was going on, he said this, his big brother, let me tell you something, there's always a voice trying to undermine God's voice in your life. And his big brother was the first. He, he, he lambasted his brother. He said, you're insolent of heart. He judged him. You come out to see the battle. Get back to those sheep. Leave us alone. And David said, listen to me, when the devil, when, even when people start speaking those words, 
words over you. You better speak up with faith-filled words. And he spoke up with a word of God, not, not in defense or in reaction and retaliation to his brother, but for the purpose and the call of God on his life. He said this, David said, what have I done to, done now? In other words, he's dealt with his brothers before. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Everyone say that. Is there not a cause? There's a lot of interpretation of what he was saying here, but I'm going to give you the broad stroke this morning. I believe what he was saying. Isn't there something bigger and more important uh, at stake here today that you guys can't see? You are trying to cover yourselves and you're fearful for your own life. There's something that's bigger than us that we've got to understand. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And he began to rally the people to the cause. And listen, let me tell you something what will happen when you begin to speak purpose and destiny and the cause of God. People start listening. People start talking. In fact, somebody went to Saul. You better come down. You need to listen to what David's saying. Man, he's got a vision in his heart. He's got a purpose of God. Is there not a cause? And he came before Saul and he shared that vision with him. Listen, faith-filled words are seasoned with insight, but they're also seasoned with the purpose of God. Proverbs 29, 18, another well-known verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish. What was happening to the children of Israel? The, the, the devil, the Goliaths, had robbed them of the greater God purpose over their life. The purpose of God was about to be undermined and David came along and began to speak the vision of God. Is there not a cause? He began to ignite the vision of God to the point that he had a voice with King Saul and you know the story. He realized, pardon me, David realized the future of Israel was at stake. He had the greater vision and purpose in his heart. He realized somebody's got to stand up here. This is not just one battle we're dealing with. This is our future. Hello. Hey, parents, it's not just our future. It's our kids' future. It's our future kids' future. The things we do today and how we respond or react today, how we move in fear or faith today, uh, affect our kids for the rest of their days. Come on, somebody say amen. Seasoned with insight, seasoned with purpose, and David's faith-filled words, number three. These all overlap, of course, but I'm just giving you a big picture here. Seas- His words were seasoned with courage. I love people of courage. How many of you sometimes you look at the Goliath of life and you say, I just need somebody to come and just give me a good shot of courage. I need some courage here. You know, courage is not, uh, you know, someone said this. I can't quote who it was. Courage is not a lack of fear. It's, 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 it's being able to face your fears, uh, courageously and not run from your enemies. But, and how many of you know, David faced his, his Goliaths with courage. He said this, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He tells that to Saul. He says, let me tell you what, I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to meditate about it. There's a cause greater than than us here at stake today. I'm going to step up to the plate. and, and, And King Saul, I will go and fight this Philistine. Ooh, I love that. You start talking about spiritual warfare, people go, oh, pastor, let me just pray about that. Let's don't stir up a hornet's nest now. Go back to Joel. 
Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spheres. Let the weak say, I'm strong. I love it. That's courage. Everybody say, that's courage. I love what, hey, listen to what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said this, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand. Oh, I love this. God bless Billy Graham. When a brave man takes a stand, he says this, uh, um, the spines of others are often stiffened. It's, it's contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. You see this right here. How many of you know David took a stand? He took a stand. And what happened was people began to get courage all around him. It's contagious. Somebody say courage is contagious. Man, I'm telling you, when you're facing a Goliath in your family, hey, courage is contagious. Faith is contagious. And so he took a stand and he spoke words of courage and he was a man of courage. And we know the story that when he ran towards his enemy and he overcame his enemy and he killed his Goliath, all the armies of Israel, their spines were stiffened and they went, whoo, I got courage now. And they chased the Philistines and brought about a great victory. He spoke words of courage. Faith-filled words of courage in the face of his Goliath. Number four, his faith-filled words were not only seasoned with insight and purpose and courage, but seasoned with service. Now, this is important for you and I to understand. Listen, we're serving in a greater God arena. The conflict is not just ours. It's the conflict of the ages. And we serve the Lord of the host of the armies of Israel. But we see David's understanding, even though, did you know David knew he had been anointed as the future king of Israel, but yet it didn't undermine his service. And he talks to Saul like a servant, like he's his servant. He says, your servant. Look in 1 Samuel 17, 32. He says this, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight for him. Look in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to go keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came out and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out. I am your servant. I'm here to serve. Listen, and understand we are servants in this thing called spiritual warfare we are soldiers under the governance and the guidance of God Almighty and we our our vernacular is and the way we speak and the way we win wars is through the avenue of service to God and his people just a thought everyone say just a thought he knew he was the future king in fact, I'll go there. Here's his epitaph. Did you know, how many of you know David wasn't perfect? He wasn't perfect. He made some huge mistakes. But let me just read a New Testament epitaph. That's a, 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 a something you might put on a tombstone, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, here, here it is. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It says this about David. It says this, for David, after, man, I wish I could stay here and preach a while. David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and in his body basically saw corruption 
corruption. He served, I love that. He served his own generation by the will of God. He was a captain. He was a, he was a slayer of Goliaths. He was a leader in the armies of Israel, but he served God and his people. Listen, that's how victory is won. Because people understand their place of service. His vernacular, his, his, his words were seasoned with service not only to, to Saul, but to the cause of God and the people of God and the God of the armies of Israel. Number five, his, his words, his faith-filled words were seasoned with confidence. And I know this is a little repetitious, but look in verse 34 of chapter 17. I got away. Let me go back. Chapter 17. Look at these words that he speaks that talk about the confidence of God. Once again, verse 34. 34 through 37, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear took out a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, delivered the the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm telling you, that's confidence in God. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence in God. How many of you know, when you go out, God will go out before you. And he said, when I went out, I saw this and I went after him and God went before me. His voice was seasoned with confidence in the deliverance of God over his life. Number six, his Faith-filled words were seasoned with the authority of God. We see that in those same verses. Verse 4, if you go, oh, I love this. Verse 34 through 37, he says this. I just read it to you, but he said, it's the same verses. He understood. He said, and then he told the, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at different. He told the Philistine. Look what he told the Philistine. You know, he spoke words to, to his brothers and people. He spoke words to uh, faith-filled words to Saul. But then when he got out there in front of the Philistine, he spoke words of authority to the Philistine. Look what he said in verse 43. I love this. So the Philistine said to David, I, am I a dog? that you come to me with a, with sticks. He, he had his staff with him. He had his staff, staff, his sling, and a little pouch that had five smooth stones in it. You get it? Here's the Philistine all arrayed in, in, in battle. And, he, and the Philistine says, Am I a dog that you come after me with sticks? He didn't understand the stones. He looked at the stick. He didn't see the stones. He didn't put two and two together. You come to me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. You see, the Philistine had a limited vision. Uh, but David didn't. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. Now here comes the authority. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Woo! Somebody say amen. In the name of Jesus. Wonderful. Amen. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, I have authority from the Lord of hosts in this circumstance. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have uh, defied this day, not someday. Everybody say this day. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the beast of the air and the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. That words of authority. Speak the, how many of you know we have authority? We are king's kids. Say amen. Hey, write down Luke chapter 10. He says we have authority because we belong to him. David's faith-filled words were seasoned with insight intuitive understanding of God, who God was and who we are in relationship to God. He had his, his faith-filled words were seasoned with the purpose of God, the courage of God, the service unto God, the confidence that he had in God, and the authority of God that he had in his life. And number seven, it was seasoned with great clarity. How many of you know insight brings great clarity? His words brought great clarity and definition. I said it earlier, verse 46, this day. Somebody say this day. He didn't look at the, the, uh, Philistines and the, and the Goliaths and say, you know, one of these days, you're going to wish you hadn't stood here and taunted up. Didn't say that. He had great clarity about what was about to happen. Most of us hedge our bets with the way we talk, but I'm going to tell you, there comes a time when we step up and declare under the authority of God and the wisdom of God, not just off the top of our head, listen, but under the direction and insight of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we look at the giants in our life and those that taunt us and the circumstances of our life that are trying to undermine the destiny and purpose of God for our life and say, this day you are defeated. Let me make it abundantly clear, Goliath. In just a moment, this day, your head's coming off. Not someday, this day. I'm telling you, those are some words to live by. The warrior's words are so powerful. The warrior's words determine outcomes. The warrior's words, listen, are wielded from within a heart that is filled with the faith of God and insight, biblical insight, personal insight, relational insight, historical insight into who God is and the covenant of God over our lives. Somebody say amen. Psalm 19.14, we're going to close. Psalm 19.14, David said this. The one I just talked about. He said this about our words. Go ahead and put it up. Here we go. Let the words, catch this, catch this double-edged sword. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. 
my strength and my redeemer. Let's say it together. Let the words, come on, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's stand together today. Father, today we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that your word, as I have said many times over, that your word says about your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray this same prayer that David prayed and declared, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and approved in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Now, as we close today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're facing a Goliath, this was your day. If you're facing a Goliath today, and you can say, Pastor, I may need you to pray for me. I may need you to maybe be that unknown who goes before me with a shield. As I face the Goliaths before me, if you're facing a Goliath, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Lord, today we thank you for the life of this young shepherd boy who became the king of Israel, who shepherded Israel with the integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand. We pray, God, his early days influence over the lion and the bear and the Goliath of life would inspire us and motivate us and give us insight about the covenant of God over our lives. I pray for those who are facing Goliaths that today they'd begin to wield the word of a faith-filled heart against the powers of darkness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Everybody look up and smile. Give somebody a high five today. Tell somebody, come on, give somebody a high five and say, we can do it in the name of the Lord. Amen.